You're listening to Midweek Starters. I'm Will Scarber, joined by Shane Waller, Turner Ennis, and Dallas Austin. We're coming off of the last week of the college football regular season. A lot of rivalry games to discuss. Conference championships coming up, and of course the selection committee. Tomorrow we'll come out with the pre-eminent rankings, and uh, we'll see what lies ahead then. Uh, We also have a Tiger Woods update. We're going to get some news on Tiger Woods this week that we haven't had since the crash, so that's always exciting. And we'll got a lot of coaches that may or may not be going different places. We'll see. As Shane's coughing on his eggnog, we'll start off with a team that choked Ohio. I mean, the the Ohio State after just a dominant performance clever, over Michigan clever, State. Clever. Got absolutely bullied, I think, in the snow in Ann Arbor, and we'll we'll start off with that game. Well, you say they got bullied. The scoreboard would agree tend to agree with you, but the stat lines might disagree. Uh, the teams were very close in total yards for offense, first downs, time of possession. It, in my opinion, it was a really good game back and forth. Um, obviously, the the Michigan touchdown there at the very end, I think, kind of padded the score a little bit more than it, it should have been. Um, so I don't know if I would say bullied. Um, they definitely got punched in the mouth and didn't have a plan when they got back up. Um, but not the way I saw the game going, but hell, I'll take it. Michigan's offensive line definitely bullied Ohio State's defense. Like just from a like a smash mouth, we're gonna run it down your throat until you stop us. And Ohio State did not stop it for the pretty much the entire day, but especially the second half. So, I mean, I think the weather probably helped Michigan a little bit, right? I mean cold, windy, snowy day kind of favors a run-heavy smash-mouth offense over a little more finesse, pass the ball down the field with a young quarterback uh, type offense that Ohio State has. But to combat the bullied standpoint, Michigan also had a turnover inside the 10-yard line, so they should have theoretically won like 49-27 to too. So, how do we feel about Michigan headed into a conference championship and with a win, you would think, the playoffs? I mean, I think they they have a – I think they're better than they've been in years past. I think this team has a little bit different, like, resolve and resiliency than maybe we've seen from Michigan teams previously. I don't, like, think they're going to go win the national championship. I mean, I think they could be, depending on how the playoffs fall, I and mean, they could be competitive in the first game, right? If they get, I think if they draw Cincinnati, or if they draw Oklahoma State. I mean, I think they'll be competitive. Yeah, I think that they'll definitely be competitive in the playoffs, especially depending on whether or not you have Bama in the playoffs. I think that's going to be the big key there. Because, I mean, Georgia, I don't, I don't think anybody's beaten Georgia. We've said that before. But when you start looking at the other teams that can be plugged into the playoffs right now, if, you, if you're expecting Bama to drop out, and with Ohio State, because Ohio State was kind of like that last 
hope for a challenger for Georgia when they absolutely beat the brakes off Michigan State. You thought, young quarterback, he plays like this against Georgia, they can get into a little bit of a scoring competition maybe. And, you know, it's difficult to tell how Georgia will play in a very close game because they haven't really been challenged in one yet, which is something to think about going forward. But I think with Michigan, they have had such a cloud hanging over them with not being able to beat Ohio State that you're going to see either one or two things happen after finally defeating them. You're going to see a team that is like they broke the seal and like it's everything's flowing, they're playing inspired football. Or you're going to see a team that's like, well, we've been to the mountaintop and they just are kind of a little bit flat after that high of a high. I'm not really sure which one will get. I don't think it matters in their conference championship game because I think they're just going to be a better team than Iowa. I really don't, on a neutral field, I don't see that that as being just a real stumbling block for them. I could be wrong. I just I never bought into Iowa in the first place. So I, I don't think they they were ever what we thought them to be like on week four or whatever it was. You You bring up a good point there about – Alabama and where they're going to fall in this and you know does the close game against Auburn how does that go in the committee's mind going into next week and then obviously the the big thing for me is the SEC championship I mean if if they win it if they somehow beat Georgia in Atlanta I feel like they're going to be you know they'll be in the playoffs but then that leaves you a one loss Georgia team that probably deserves by just the way that they've played this entire year to be in the top four. So now you're only looking at two other slots. Who gets the X? Cincinnati? You know, if they go and they beat, I think, who are they playing? Houston, ranked number 24 for their championship this week. Um, But then you've got Michigan at number five. You've got Oklahoma State at number seven. It's, you know, Bama could foil uh, another team's opportunity at a playoff berth this year if they're able to pull off the win in Atlanta. So that should be – I think that's one of the most more pivotal games for the college football playoffs this weekend. Of course, if you're fans of, of Baylor or Pittsburgh and Wake Forest and USC in California, you're you're obviously very concerned about your 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 conference games. But I think the, the one that has the most implications for the rest – of the football season and the the playoffs is definitely going to be that Georgia-Alabama game. Absolutely, because like you said, you're either going to be searching for two teams to fill a playoff or you're going to be searching for three, after this week, brand new teams just about to fit in there. So, I mean, it, it will be probably the – and just – I think you're dealing with the two most talented teams. I think you're dealing with the two best teams. If you really look at from a talent-wise, from coaching, I mean, Bama's been very inconsistent. But even being inconsistent, nobody wants to play them. So, I, you know, you don't, you don't feel that way about OSU. You don't feel that way about Cincinnati. You don't feel that way about Michigan. So I, it, just based on that, they might as well. You can rank them wherever you want, but until they lose to Georgia, they're number two. 
So, a question here. Does a two-loss Bama make it? No. No. Political reasons, but, you know, it's just you can't justify it. I mean, you you have to wholesale say the SEC is just that much better than everybody else, and the committee's not going to do that. If Oklahoma State loses... Because that's uh, number seven versus eight. So Baylor-Oklahoma, that's a very close matchup. I think that's going to be a good game. You know, Cincinnati wins. Okay, they're, they're probably going to be in. But what if Iowa pulls an upset over Michigan? Obviously, if, if Oklahoma State... You're going sta- to get stuck with Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, I think you still have Notre Dame. Notre Dame. You're going to get stuck with Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Georgia. I think you would need all those teams to lose. You would need Michigan and Oklahoma State to, to lose. lose. Both to lose. And, and Cincinnati. No, you could get – I think that would leave you with Georgia, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Alabama. I still think Alabama would be the best two-loss team out of that group. I agree they'd be the best two-loss team. I get, but at that point, they just lost. It depends on how close it is to, to That's Georgia, another big honestly. piece of it, yeah. I mean, but I guess my point in that is, like, you get you have to get into a lot of very weird scenarios for Alabama to make it if they oh, lose. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, like, I think you have to lose, you have to have a bunch of teams lose that shouldn't. Almost like, a, like the weekend in 2011 that basically led to the rematch between LSU and Alabama in the national championship where, like, I think it was actually Oklahoma State that year and, like, a couple other big teams all lost in the same weekend and, like, the last weekend of the season kind of indirectly led to the the rematch that year. So, like, I don't think just one team, one upset's going to do it if Bama loses. And if it's a blowout, I don't think you. I don't think there is enough upsets out there. So, let me rephrase this. I'm going to phrase the question this way. Then, let's say Georgia wins, so they're going to stay in the playoffs. You then have Cincinnati, Michigan, Alabama, and Ohio State. Or excuse me, Oklahoma State. I feel like four teams are really vying for those last three spots. Out of Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. If one of those teams loses, which one do you think would give Alabama the best hope at making it to the college playoffs? I think if any one of those teams loses, they're going to put Notre Dame in and leave both Alabama and the team that loses out. I, I think for Bama, for Bama to make it, you're going to have to see two teams fall. Yeah. I think one team loses that one – if. If whatever team loses, that team and a Bama that loses are out, and the team that and Notre Dame gets in, because it also helps them justify. It also helps them justify putting Cincinnati in because basically they get to say that like they beat a another playoff team already. And then you can if that happens. By the way, if Notre Dame, Cincinnati, and like one of Michigan or Oklahoma State are in it, you can just hand the trophy to Georgia and not play any of the games. Yeah. I I 
We don't need this to, is just, we don't need to see that. Yeah. My personal opinion is unless you were just like an undefeated crazy team going into championship Sunday and you're not playing in a championship personally, I don't really I understand they don't have a championship to play in. But I feel like another team's playing another game while you're just sitting at home on your on your butt. I just but they're Notre Dame. have a problem with that. They're Notre Dame. Well, they're Notre Dame. the other thing to take into consideration with Notre Dame is that their coach is more than likely going to be announced to LSU tomorrow morning. If you did get into one of these theoreticals, does the committee care? They shouldn't, to be honest. I agree they shouldn't, but, I mean, you have other commitments besides focusing on winning a national championship at this point. Very true. Yeah, I mean, I don't argue that Kelly will be distracted. I don't think you'll get a focused Notre Dame team, if which seems pretty much inevitable at this point that he's going to LSU based off the last hour or so on ESPN. But... Um, and there's been no outright denial by him. Well, it's like so. breaking on ESPN's app now, which usually means he actually just confirmed. he actually just said that he would not be the next coach at Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a shocker. That's a that's a bold statement. I, I think if you're if you're you know going off of I, I think the committee. I don't think the committee will take that into consideration. I mean, it's still it doesn't, you know, coach or no coach. The team itself is still eleven and one. No, they didn't play for a championship game, which is a whole other argument about the playoff system. But I mean, if Bama falls and you see one of these other Cincinnati or Michigan fall, is what it would take. Are you? I. I don't see a reason as to why Notre Dame wouldn't jump in at that point. Another interesting thing about the SEC championship this year is this going to affect a lot of things, I think, in years to come with the college football playoff because not only are you going to have this big swing in who could get in, who could get out, you're going to have this huge swing in the argument of whether it's good at four or it needs to be expanded to six. I mean, that argument's already taking – that conversation's but, already happening. I know, but it's going to be a major push it one way or the other because if you have Bama lose and all of a sudden you have Georgia beats the shit out of Cincy, Michigan, and OSU or Notre Dame, fill in the blank, any of those teams, you're going to say, yep, we're good at four. None of those, you know – Two blowouts, good at four. If Bama was to beat Georgia, and then you have Bama, Georgia, and then you only have two spots left, and you have all these teams with Cincy and all these teams with one loss vying to get in, and Bama, inconsistent, could easily go in and lose the first playoff game in that scenario, you're going to have a terrific argument to move it to six. Well, I think you have uh, let's let's say let's say that Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State all lose. Bama loses. At that point, 
I'm and I'm looking at AP rankings at the moment. But at that point, behind them, behind Notre Dame, is Ohio State and Ole Miss. They're not in. If you're the committee, you can't put them in. You're going to have to put the team. I think that would that's as the scenario has already played out. That would be the scenario where Bama stays in. And I think you see you see a Notre Dame in there too. Now, if you're even if you're if you're Oklahoma State at this point, or or even or Ohio State, you're going. Well, why is that? Why is that not us? Especially in Oklahoma State, they lost their championship, would have the same record, but just based off of conference, you're going to put Bama in. I think that's another scenario where the committee is finally going to put, like, where you put all the pressure on to say, okay, or the board or whatever it is that governs the committee and the playoff says, all right, it's time to expand. It has to be unanimous. We know that. That's been because West Virginia is part of the problem right now. And I think uh, I think the committee putting Obama, even uh, putting Bama in, Putting Bama in and Notre Dame in over Bama and Oklahoma State, I think might might be your tipping point too, or could be your tipping point for an expansion. I think the the other interesting one I, I agree with Will is it's a huge the way this has played out with like the teams that are in the running, it's played it made it turned it into a huge argument for the people that are pro or anti expansion. I think for the pro expansion people, you need Cincinnati to show up. Because the whole argument has been that, like, there's these teams that are smaller schools that don't get a chance, that, like, could perform well, like the UCS of the world who want to hang a banner because they went undefeated and didn't get their chance, right? So, like, if... And then, like, the whole argument on Cincinnati is that Cincinnati, like, basically played Georgia competitively last year. I mean, two, a totally different Georgia team, totally different Cincinnati team. I agree with both of those points. But they played competitively in a New Year's Six game last year that wasn't a playoff game. So, if Cincinnati is your, like, first group of five to team that gets in and shows up and gets beat 45 to nothing, like, I think all of the anti-expansion people are going to stand up and point and go, why would we expand to let this team in every year just so they can get in and get beat 45 to nothing? So, I think it's going to be a huge argument for both sides. I think it's going to be super interesting to see how it plays out. Because quite frankly, when I look at it, I don't look at it from Cincinnati's perspective of an expansion. It's not who I'm looking at. If you look at the, if you look at who's would be on the bubble in this particular case, oddly enough, would be advocating for the Ole Misses of the world to make it. They had a good season. Yeah, I mean, I think the the structure with 12 teams, like, is a little different, probably. I think it just significantly increases the odds that, like, that second-tier team from a conference that lost, like, one close game or that group of five team that has a really good record and went undefeated or has one very close loss or something, right, can get in. But, like, I guess my point is, if the first group of five team ever gets in and doesn't show up to play or does show up to play and still gets blown out, however you want to look at it. Like, that's going to hurt the argument of all these people who want to put, like, 12 teams in the playoff. 
think for that reason, you won't see Cincinnati in as the four. You think they'll make them the three so they don't have to play I Georgia? I think they'll make them the three so they don't have to get one Georgia in done. Okay. Because regardless of who your team is, that's just setting you up for, for with that much with it being a prove it game like you're talking about, and I, I think it is if they get in, if they can get past the juggernaut that is Houston. I think that would be very unfair, even as someone who doesn't think those teams necessarily need to be in. I think that would be very unfair to put them up against a Georgia team who has made very good teams look horrendously bad all year long. I agree. I mean, I agree too. But who's to say against a Michigan they don't fluke up and win? Then – then that proves the point. Yeah, that proves that the point. They it's should okay be, yeah. for them to be there. Yeah, I mean, if they if you think they can fluke up and beat Michigan, and you think Michigan's the number two team in the country, well, let me you tell gotta you. say that they they deserve to be there. Let me tell you, I never put a whole lot of faith behind Harbaugh. Just just don't. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not arguing idea. like Michigan individually. I'm just saying like structurally, if Michigan is your number two team in the country, and you think that Cincinnati could very easily fluke up and beat Michigan, then I think that supports the argument that, that they belong there. I mean, I've also made it no secret I'm a fan of expansion. And I am All right. not. I'm tired of watching Alabama murder Notre Dame. We can just can we just permanently excommunicate Notre Dame from the playoff? You're I think you're gonna get I, to watch Alabama Notre Dame murder Notre Dame for years to come. They're just gonna be wearing purple and gold. I'll tell you one thing's for sure. I see what you did there, and I like it. One, <laughs> one thing's for sure. I think that Notre Dame should not be allowed in the playoffs until they join a conference. All right. Speaking of Notre Dame and purple and gold, I feel like you've got some things to get off off your chest. Me? I just don't think he's going to be that successful there. Like I'm not. I could be very wrong. Like, I don't have a lot to get off my chest. I don't think it's necessarily a bad hire. He's a coach who's made the playoffs multiple times. LSU wanted to make a splash hire. I think everybody basically knows that Jimbo was their number one target and they couldn't get him. Like, I, th- I don't think it's a bad hire from a PR-, PR perspective for LSU. I just don't think he's going to succeed in the SEC, especially in the SEC West right now. I think I think it would do fine. Do I think he's gonna build what they want him to build? No, but I think he'll have. I think he'll win at LSU consistently because it's frankly hard not to. But like right now, you think he's gonna consistently beat Jimbo, Lane, Saban, Leach, Pittman every year? Consistently beat any one of them? No, but beat two of them and win all the games he's supposed to win and have winning seasons like eight, nine win seasons every year? Sure. It's okay. LSU. I think LSU may be the best coaching job in the country for two reasons. One, they're the only major university in a talent rich state. That helps. Look at Georgia. I was going to say. Sorry, Georgia Tech. Sorry, Georgia Tech, but look at Georgia. It like it. It's a huge thing where it's located. As far as home stadium advantage goes, 
hard to get better than LSU. Like, and you look at the coaches that have won there. You got a guy who could not manage a clock consistently for years, be successful there. You had Orgeron was success. Orgeron won a national championship there. Do we think he's a top tier coach? Oh, that's not rhetorical. It it was rhetorical, but like my, my the pause. My point. My point is, I think you're gonna have to suck it up big time to not be successful at LSU. But and I don't think he's gonna suck it up big time. Yeah, I mean, I guess my argument is that like. There's, you say that he's going to consistently beat two to three out of the five, which means he's going yeah. to go consistently nine and three and ten and two. Is LSU going to be happy with that? No, but with that's what I mean. That's what pin, Les Miles was certain doing. Pin, when they kept him for a while. I mean, nine and three every year. I think the other thing that I will be interested to see is Kelly came from, I think it's Central Michigan. I need to look it up, but it's it's one of the small Midwest schools. He coaches in Notre Dame now. He's a traditionally Midwestern guy. A lot of your stake in the SEC is being able to go in and recruit. I, un- I, also, I agree. I think LSU... I think the two best coaching jobs in all of college football are Georgia and LSU. From a, you're the marquee team in a very talent-rich state, and everybody wants you to go there. Everybody wants you to go to Athens, and everybody wants you to go to Baton Rouge. I agree with you on that front. But it doesn't change the fact that Jimbo's going to try to come from A&M. Saban's going to try to come from Alabama. Kiffin's going to try to come from Ole Miss and poach kids out of LSU. I just... It'd be interesting to see how he recruits. I think that'll be a big factor. I mean, I think is he's able to have a competitive team with Notre Dame. Not a championship winning team. Not someone that's going to go, like, he's still going to get thumped by Bama in the playoffs with his teams from Notre Dame, but you can't tell me the talent level is not going to go up at LSU from what he's working with at Notre Dame. I mean, the talent level will go up, but I think his level of competition week in, week out goes significantly up, too. Oh, by far. I I don't know. I think think he'll be fine. I think LSU is going to have some rough waters coming in a year or so. That's kind of looming over them and Coach O um, with the NCAA and whatnot. And I think that will buy him honestly a few years of grace and if he go, comes out of those years goes nine and three for two seasons then all of a sudden you've got a guy that's probably got an extension at some point in there so I think I think he'll be okay he's not going to beat Bama he's not going to win the SEC championship but he's going to be okay well on on LSU's infractions what do we what do you think is going to come down on them, though? I mean, you can. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come so down. So, year bowl ban, few less scholarships has been the norm lately. I don't know exactly what it'll be. I'm more just 
looking at it from the perspective of he's going to a school that is extremely talent rich, that it's hard to be bad at, and he already has a built-in excuse for his first few years. So I, I think he's going. I think we're going to see him at LSU for a little while. But I could be wrong. Some coaches get fired after two years. Continuing the uh, coaching carousel, um, someone has hopped on a horse, grabbed his wagon, and has made his way right on out of Boomer Sooner. It's uh, the gold rush. Absolutely. Uh, heading out to the beautiful state of California. Uh, beautiful weather out there, but uh, as, I, don't, I don't think he's going to get much more than that out of this deal. As, a, other than some money. as, as I overheard someone say today, I would say that that is very much a downgrade at this moment in time going out there compared to being being in Oklahoma. Not, a, not if you're Lincoln Riley. Because, like, the man is self-aware. I'll give him that. He understands what's coming when Oklahoma enters the SEC versus what he's been able to experience and build his successful reputation upon thus far. And additionally, Rattler entered the portal today. Yes, and they've had already had a five-star and two four-stars immediately decommit. So, I mean, it, it's a full downward spiral. They're going – at this point, you've got to be praying that you're going to be in the east if you're Oklahoma. I don't think they will be, though. They I think be. they'll be a west team. I also – I'm, I'm kind of – I don't think you're going to see east and west anymore in football. They may do the pods. I, either way, it's not a good – it's not a good situation for Oklahoma Poor Turner. at all. Poor Turner can't say anything. I know Turner. You're she's in bed. I can talk. Okay, but I'm gonna get it all out at once so that I minimize. Hold on, well, I didn't shut the door. Okay. But yeah, it's I'm be a tense few years in the Ennis household. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And well, then Turner, you have the floor. I would say. Yeah, you have. Say say your piece. Okay. He. First of all, I think he made. He is a young guy. He's 38. Like, long-term, the rest of his life, L.A. is a lot more attractive location than, than Norman, Oklahoma. I also think he very much wanted, like, like a couple of the different quotes I'm reading between the lines, I think he very much wanted his opportunity to make his own program. I think Oklahoma still feels like Stoops' program that he created, that he handed to Lincoln. I don't feel like it feels like Lincoln built it, and he owns it. Not like Saban built Alabama or, you know, I mean, he's gone, but like, you know, Urban or Ryan Day, like, built, like, think about Ryan Day and Urban Meyer, right? Similar situation, like, feels like Urban rebuilt Ohio State and Ryan Day just kind of took over a well machine. I think he wanted that opportunity, reading between the lines. He's going to get a ton of money, got a great deal. He's going to go to a conference that he could dominate relatively easily for the next. I mean, his only real competition at this point is Oregon. Cristobal seems like a pretty good coach, so he's got one other team he has to compete with. So he goes right back to the situation he's been at in the Big 12. From an Oklahoma standpoint, he, 
I think they're about to be in a very bad situation. Because the rumor is that Williams is looking to go to USC already, are evaluating whether or not to go to USC to go with Lincoln. Rattler's already in the portal as of today. They're number two wide receivers in the portal as of today. They're number one overall quarterback in the country for 2023 class, which is so still at one more year of high school. Is from Southern California, decommitted from Oklahoma the minute that Lincoln announced his thing. He didn't recruit a 2022 quarterback because he told Caleb Williams that he was his quarterback of the future and he wouldn't rec- recruit a 2022 quarterback. So they're potentially going to lose Williams. They already lost Rattler. They don't have a quarterback in the 2022 class. They don't have a quarterback in the 2023 class. Also, two other, I think, depending on your system, it's another five-star and another four-star or two four-stars in addition to the quarterback have also already decommitted since Lincoln left, to Willis's point. So you've got one of your two best wide receivers, Rattler. You're still waiting on... It'll be interesting to see what Williams does. I think that's going to be critical for the Oklahoma program. But if he goes to USC with Lincoln, Lincoln just, like, oh, also he took, like, half the assistant coaches with them too. So, like, all their pool of people that they were going to look at to be interim coaches is gone. Uh, So, they better hope Caleb Williams stays because if not, it's going to be, and then they're going to be heading into the SEC with that. Somebody better somebody better be coming in hot with a really sweet deal for Caleb Williams. Some name, image, and likeness if he stays. Be, somebody, better, somebody in Norman better be writing a good NIL deal tonight. Mm-hmm. So, you know what this reminds me of? A couple of years ago, pregame, Oklahoma, they're, I don't know what you call them, uh, not cheerleaders, but yell leaders, whatever you want to call them up there in Oklahoma, coming in, guns a-blazing on the, uh, wagon, it makes a sharp left-hand turn and just falls over. And the horses keep running, and the girl and the guy up on the wagon get thrown across the field. I feel like that image is what is going on in Oklahoma right now, again, except much bigger implications for their program than just a, a delay of the start time of the ball game. Kind of transitioning to something that nobody's going to care about. Um, TCU's head coach, or new head coach, uh, just made a hell of an entrance. He was he was flown in in a purple and black helicopter onto the field of TCU uh, at their Carter Stadium and made his first public appearance as a TCU head coach. And I have to say that sounds like one of the most badass things in the world. Might just be because I love airplanes, but like that's one hell of a way to make an entrance is to land your helicopter on the fucking field. I didn't. I didn't know you were a chopper guy. Huh? It's an airplane, helicopter. Well, same thing. But if you get a chance, go look up a TCU athletics. They got a picture of it. Pretty badass. I like it. All right, to tidy up football. A lot of trophies being played for this week. A lot of weird trophies being played for in rivalry games throughout the season. So, what is our favorite rivalry game trophy? 
traveling trophy? I'll start off. I'm going to go with the Floyd of Rosedale trophy between Iowa and Minnesota. Uh, For a little background, this dates back to 1934 uh, when Iowa accused the Minnesota players of playing dirty uh, with late hits on their uh, star tailback, Ozzie Simmons. And to defuse the controversy, Iowa, Minnesota's governors agreed to wager a live hog named Floyd of Rosedale on the ball game. So nothing is more country than wagering a live hog in 1934. Um, and then Floyd passed away a few years later, and a trophy was comm- uh, commissioned in its place. Um, the Floyd of Rosedale is a 98-pound bronze pig that's 21 inches long and 15 inches high. And the winner of the Iowa-Minnesota game keeps Floyd until next year's meeting. So that is my number one trophy. It's just After amazing. Floyd- after Floyd passed, did they hold a dinner in his honor? Uh, I did not see that in any of the the websites I did research on. It's very possible, and he po- might have po- been possibly a very hearty breakfast. He uh, possibly with some some bacon, pork chops, and maybe a little bit of country ham. Um, but I did not see that anywhere. Um, but it it is possible, and he might have been the uh, the talk of the town for the the next couple of days too. So. That's my number one rivalry trophy. Follow that, boys. Okay, I'll fo- I'll be happy to follow that. Uh, there's one that I can't pronounce between Notre Dame and USC, but I'm going to call it the Jewel Schlong, just <laughs> because that's what it <laughs> looks like. Um, uh, but my favorite, my top-ranked one, is going to be the Old Brass Batoon. That was number two on my list. That is uh, with Michigan State and Indiana. And it's just a, it's an old brass spittoon. I think that's awesome that they play for a big, shiny bowl of spit. My question is, did it, I mean, I'm sure at some point that was used on the sideline for its actual had to be. use. It, ha- it had to be back in the day when it was commonplace for college players to put a big lip in and go hit each other. And that was the old the old brass platoon. Obviously, one team was using, like, a wooden bucket, and then one team obviously well, had the old brass platoon, which was, like, the Yeti bucket of spittoons for that time period. I imagine it as, like, one team got beat, and the other team was like all up in their face about it, so they threw the spittoon at them full of spit. And like the the team that won brought it back the next year, and it's like kind of an fu right back at them. I, I I'd like to think that's how that started. Well, winning coaches get showered in Gatorade. Do you think the losing coach of that matchup should get a bath from the old brass spittoon? I'm gonna go with no because I don't think anyone deserves that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I'd like to think some sort of uh, throwing of the spittoon or dumping of the spittoon on someone's field started the rivalry and the the trophy of the brass spittoon. Personally, I I just want to say, reading like looking through the list and like researching some of these, the Big Ten has got it with traveling trophies. Absolutely. Like my God, every combination of team has a. Re- Ridiculous. Minnesota and 
has like seven different trophies they play for each year. It's ridiculous. Look, Minnesota could literally get turned up off the little brown jug, then go win Paul Bunyan's axe and behead freaking Floyd of Rosedale. Like, they Absolutely. play for all of them. Yes. Oh, uh, one trophy that uh, is a very honorable mention is the Commander in Chief trophy uh, between Army, Navy, and Air Force. I feel like America has to appreciate that trophy. That's the most honorable of mentions. So while Turner and Shane do their last-minute homework. No, I have mine. I'm just letting y'all go. Uh, uh-huh. I, I have three. One of them you're all going to be very upset about. So I have, like, truly a favorite, but it's not currently being given out because of conference realignment. But Louisville and Cincinnati used to play for a keg of nails. It prior to Louisville moving to the ACC, so it's currently on hiatus. But anytime a keg is involved, I'm a fan. And then of nails just makes it even that much more badass. So unfortunately, I have that one as number one, but it's on hiatus. So I picked an, a currently given trophy. I, for some reason, actually really liked the cowboy hat after the Oklahoma-Texas game. Like, it just seems fitting. It's at the State Fair. It's in Dallas. That you get to, like, actually wear the trophy, which I think is cool. Like, everyone puts the hat on. It's, like, it's kind of, like, it's not on the same level, but it's, like, drinking out of the Stanley Cup. Like, you do more than just, like, carry it off the field and, like, and never use it again. So that's my actual favorite currently given trophy. And everyone's going to be upset, but it's not like my least favorite trophy ever, but I don't really like the golden egg. Just from the standpoint of like, I understand the premise of that it was originally a football, but it just seems weird to win an egg. So like, I don't want to call it my least favorite, but my maybe slightly overrated trophy is ours. Like I don't love the egg. I love winning the egg. Don't get me wrong. But well, was it which came first, the trophy or the egg bowl? I think the I thought the trophy came first. The trophy was originally fashioned in the older style football, which was like which was like a rugby style football. And over the years, as the football has gotten more oblong, the trophy did not. So now it just has become an egg, and then they named it the egg bowl. But yes. it just seems like of all the things to play for, like a big egg. Like I can go in the backyard and find a chicken and get an egg anytime I want to. I don't really want to play for that. Oh, and the egg bowl, to be fair, does sound like something like grandma made for a Christmas family gathering that everyone like tries a little bit of grandma's egg bowl and was like, well, that's very nice, grandma. And then now that she's not offended, like no one eats the egg bowl. That that's fair, and I get it. Um, but like you said, I will always want to win the egg bowl. I very much the, love the, w- the process of winning the egg, the golden. And it's egg. a golden egg uh, laid by a golden goose. Prefer to win Some the golden Wonka egg. Shit up in I don't here. have anything against winning the golden egg by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I think it's a slightly like overrated from the trophy standpoint. You know what would be a great meme? Would be. The the girl from Willy Wonka that wants the golden goose, 
and she's like, I want it now. And there's a goose and the golden egg trophy and the winner or like the loser has like, you know, she's wearing the dress of the loser and it's like the day after the game and she's like, I want it now. Anyway, it's a weird, weird thought that popped in my head. Funny meme, personally. I'd laugh at it. You should download a meme maker and and put that one out for us because I'll be honest, I like what you said, but I don't understand it. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Most people in my world don't understand what I say, so I'm used to it. I've got two. The oil can, Fresno State, San Diego State. One, find it very ironic that two teams in California play for an oil can. (laughs) Even though there was a time where that's all was out there was oil field. But I also, it is a relatively new trophy in terms of how long they've had the actual oil can trophy itself. Uh, only dates back to 11. But the rivalry dates back to when the two schools weren't even universities. They were just community colleges, which is pretty pretty interesting. Um, and then the other one is the Iron Skillet. SMU, TCU, history of that, of course, is that uh, the SMU fans were frying frog legs as a joke um and it has taken off from there so gotta gotta love it and there should be an honorable mention to uh unlv and nevada because they play for a literal fucking can yes do they fire it i don't know if it's a working cannon or just like a Replica cannon. Replica cannon. But, but either like, way, it's, it's, it's like a cannon cannon. Like rolls. Like, not like a tabletop cannon. Like, cannon. Impressive. I saw a wagon wheel on the list. I thought that was a very interesting trophy. But. I mean, also, there's the crab bowl trophy between Maryland and Navy. Which is fitting for the area. Is it, is it a bowl of crabs? Does the winner get a free crab dinner from Joe's Crab Shack? Does the winner get crabs? I was going to say that, but Eesh. I tried to, to be a little bit more politically correct. I don't think getting crabs is a political issue, Dallas. That's fair. I support crabs. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be the next t-shirt you're wearing instead of a Jets yeah, t-shirt? The- no, uh, the, hey, look, we can get into why I'm wearing the Jets t-shirt, but we'll let Chain give us a uh, It is a historical. It is a fact. large. It is. It was commissioned in 2010 by the Touchdown Club of Annapolis. Um, it is a large pewter bowl overflowing with pewter crabs, meant to replicate, uh, meant to be replicas of Chesapeake Bay blue crabs. No, crabs obviously are. Uh, it's all Maryland. Maryland loves their damn crabs. It's, it's a little weird. There's so many comments that I'm just not going to I would, I would keep them to yourself. I mean, Baltimore, Baltimore alone has like 50 different ca- crab places you can go to for the food of crab, not crabs. 
What are you thinking about? Of course, we're all thinking food. Yeah, I wasn't thinking of anything else when you said no, that. No, Will, Will, Will definitely was. When, when you said overflowing with crabs, all I could think was, man, that sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't believe you. All right, so that was a fun exercise. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, a brief, brief bits Tidbits of sports news. Uh, the match, Capital One's the match. We had Brooks and Bryson face off, and Brooks won five and three. Uh, you had Phil and Charles Barkley commentating, which I think was a vast improvement. I think they're doing a very good job of formatting the match in a way that it is still entertaining while they're driving 30 seconds between their shots with just two people. So I think having Phil involved in producing the match rather than playing with Tom Brady every installment in the match is an improvement. Not because I don't like Phil, seeing Phil play, but I think it's just Phil's vision for the match is better when he's running the show, running the entertainment side of things, and and having other people play. It was also just like super interesting to hear him like commentate. Like he was funny at times, but like he also like got into the golf cart and like from the booth was like reading putts, and his read was so perfect, which is like just shows like how incredible he is as a golfer. But it made the it made it like interesting to like hear him actually talk about some of the golf too. Someone who plays at that level to talk about the golf portion of it. Well, it's it's a lot like the Manning cast. Yeah. Like with when Peyton gets pissed off at an NFL professional paid millions of dollars to play the sport quarterback for doing something dumb, and then he explains why it was dumb and draws it up on the board with like a really cool diagram and like explanation. Like no, completely agree. Good, good comparison. I feel like that's like an extra level of pressure now if you play Monday nights. If you're a quarterback, that if you screw up, like Peyton will expose you in, like, graphic detail. Furthering news in the golf world uh, is Tiger Woods Tournament is coming up, the Hero World Challenge, and he's going to have his first press release tomorrow afternoon, his first presser since the accident. And they also had a Golf Digest article published uh, today where Tiger had done some interviews and talked about... um, his return to the sport because he's released some videos of him swinging and um, he's healthy. Like he's re- recovering from the injury. Like the legs are okay. And he talked about he's done playing full time, which I think isn't exactly news because he's kind of been done playing full time for the back half of his career with just the way he focused on the majors more so than everything else. Like, it, it's been very apparent for a long time that Tiger only cared about a few events. But I think this time it's just different because it's, it's more of a body thing. Like, he talked about when he got his fusion surgery. I have the quote somewhere. But he talked about after he got the fusion back surgery that it was like climbing Mount Everest to get back and be able to win the Masters and play regularly on the PGA Tour. And he said, this time, the body's just not going to be there to climb Mount Everest again. So he's he's going to pick and choose his events and play. And I, it's the end of an era. It, it, 
it for real this time. Like if if Tiger says he's not going to be able to do it again, then like it's just not going to happen. It it is very sad, and absolutely, if if that's what he comes out and says tomorrow, definitely end of an error. But I have to think that most people saw it coming. You know, especially after you look at the car and everything that was after the wreck. Um. He's he's very lucky to to be able to walk and things like that. So it is definitely sad, but I th- I think if you're a realistic person, you probably have thought that this this kind of announcement, if if that indeed that's what the, you know he he references whether in his post uh, post ah press conference tomorrow or later down the road, um I, I think most people should have prepared been prepared for it. I don't think there was many people who would ever think that he would go back into like a full-time golf schedule ever again after that. But definitely sad news. And uh, I do hope that he goes out and and plays a couple of of different tournaments and events every uh, every year so that we can continue to to still see him play. Goes out on this kind of his own terms rather than an injury not allowing him to ever play again, period. And... There is something to be excited about here because we're always going to have the Tiger moments. But I think we're just going to get to see sort of a new phase of Tiger Woods like because his kids are getting to the point to where they can play competitively um, with junior golf tournaments and whatnot. And so I think we're going to get to see – we've seen Tiger the competitor for years. I think we're going to get to see Tiger the fan, honestly. Like we, we always – Phil was always able to kind of walk inside and outside the ropes at the same time. And Tiger Tiger was always just too intense, in my opinion, to really ever, like, in tournaments, step outside of the drive to win this tournament to just interact in the same way that Phil did a lot of times. And coming after the last injury, we got just a different personality, Tiger Woods, that was awesome. He still won the Masters, but just the way he interacted with other players, with fans, like you could see him having fun in a way that you hadn't seen through the competitiveness, in my opinion, prior to that um, with just Prime Tiger. And I think now you're going to see an even different level where you're going to see Tiger do more things like what Phil does with the match. And I think that is going to be awesome for golf as a sport because, you know, in this sort of recovering from injury, trying to get back to you win more majors, limbo that Tiger's been in for years, we've kind of been robbed of Tiger Woods. And I think that we may know, we're ne- we're ne- we know we're never going to get, you know, win two majors this year, Tiger bat, but I think we're going to get, broadcast tiger we're gonna get pro-am tiger we're gonna get tiger woods involved with golf in a way that i think will be as meaningful if he does it right and i hope the reporters aren't assholes in the press conference tomorrow i hope that too i hope that for for tiger's sake but i i have to i I think for the for the sport as a whole probably i've said this before um not on here because that happened over the summer. Uh, but, you know, there's no doubt that Tiger has been a great, great golfer. 
over his tenure. Um, but I, I think that, and I, I'm sure, I, I think we'll see him play some. I think that's evident depending on how his recovery continues. Cause I, I think it's not, it's not over yet. Right. He's still got no, no. And everyone talks about the legs and all, but I think, and that, and then of course when your legs get shattered like that, it, Rightfully so, they're going to talk about the legs, and the legs are still in, you know, a sleeve. Sometimes I think the maybe the right leg is, and with all the back surgeries and all, when you take an impact like that, I just it's hard for me to believe that the rest of his body can still be at the level that it was prior to the crash. With with that amount of rehabilitation over the years, and the fusion surgery, I I don't think you hit something going as fast as he was supposedly going, and it doesn't also interfere with what recovery you had going on there. Tiger, playing limited, being on the sideline a little more as he's been doing. It's not like he was. It's not you know tragedy aside. It's not like he was out every week weekend like he was doing back five years ago even five years ago I feel like he wasn't as much I hope him I I hope he keeps playing I'm not saying I want him to play I just I think you know the sport has a lot of potential with and without Tiger I think that's a lot of I think that's a lot of where people are going to be looking especially tomorrow is where where the sport goes without Tiger consistently playing it's like well this it's been fine. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of that, but the the growth you have and the interest you have with Tiger Woods still far exceeds the growth and interest you have without Tiger Woods. The Masters that he won was just unlike anything we'd seen in years. And the crazy part is that's what it was like every week he was winning. When he was in his prime, I just think having him involved in the game in any capacity just has such a an ability to grow the game that is if he if he plays his transition out of competition and into other aspects of of being involved in the sport correctly, I think he will have a bigger impact as retired Tiger than he did as playing Tiger. Especially with his kids growing up, and all. I just, th- I just think that if with his kids being at that age, that a lot of kids that say aren't the sons or daughters of professional athletes to get into golf, they're kind of at that age, you know, like what is it, ten, twelve? Just mm-hmm. when when his kids get into when enough of his kids get into that age range, him being involved in junior events, if he gets involved with your youth organizations and stuff that are set up around golf, like it just has such potential to do things for the sport and just with another generation that I don't think people fully realize yet. Aren't, I mean, from all accounts, I mean, I know his kids are really young, but from all accounts, aren't they pretty good? It's very difficult to tell. I mean, you can tell, you can tell if a, a little kid is going to be very good at golf but being able to tell if a little kid is going to be a major champion is damn near impossible. 
because there's just so there's so many variables. I mean, that's with the same with any sport. But yes, his kids are going to be really freaking good at golf. I, I mean, I guess I don't have a lot on the Tiger stuff. I mean, I think I think it's definitely sad that like feels like the end of an era. Uh, I don't think you'll ever see someone grow the game as much as Tiger grew the game. Like, I, I think it'll be good to see him at least just, like, get to play in maybe the majors for a little while longer. And then, obviously, he's got the lifetime exemption at the Masters. My biggest thing is just, like, he seems to be moving well. He seems to be moving back towards healthy, which, I mean, there was a point after the crash, but that didn't really seem like it was guaranteed. I don't think he looks 100% yet, like, from walking around. But, I mean, he's definitely, like, at least where he could – He's not, like, tour level yet, right? But, I mean, he could go out and play around by himself. So, I mean, I think that all those are positives. It'll be interesting to see kind of, like, what role he takes on in the world of golf over the next two or three years after, as he said, like, he's not going to play every tournament, but does he stay super involved? Or does he kind of just take a step back and go enjoy some time being a dad? I think that'll be kind of interesting. I think there's definitely potential for him to get out of the public eye just because, I mean, the man is not without his faults. Like, he, he clearly did some things in his personal life that he is clearly paid for. The media has not always, like, the media has always been fantastic to Tiger, and at the same time, some aspects of it have been really shitty to Tiger. Like, you know, you, ha- you have some like, people very close-knit in the golf community Always pro Tiger. Always defend Tiger. Nike stood with Tiger the whole way through everything. Nike was still paying him like forty-eight million a year, just so he would never wear anything but Nike. I mean, there there are people that are very pro Tiger that make me think that like he would stick around. But then on the same thing, you have like HBO documentaries and and shit that like do like the scandal and the paint him in a negative light. So I don't know how adversely some of that affects him so i could definitely see there being a part of him to say like i'm gonna have my private life now just because he was because you gotta think like he was a toddler on late night shows hitting golf balls into a net and stuff with his dad so i mean like i think there's definitely a part of him that could walk away but i think uh like I alluded to earlier with his kids being young, if he was to get involved even privately with stuff like first tee, um, drive, chip, and putt, like all like your junior golf type organizations that are a bit centered on growing the game, I think he could do something amazing through that and maintain a level of privacy that he's previously not really been able to enjoy and spend time with his kids. Or he could go coach Oklahoma. Who knows? <laughs> I think they'll take anybody at this point. Hey, Condoleezza Rice to Oklahoma. I think she addressed that last weekend. Did she? She did have to actually address that, didn't she? Or one of those, like the LSU, wasn't it? It was a question. It was, yeah, there was talk of, well, there had been talk for several years about her doing something in coaching. Um, but she last week was basically like no uh, I'm good <laughs> I think she's just like I enjoyed my time on the football committee 
and that's that is the extent. Um, I am a fan, but I do not envy coaches. I think that's the missing piece that SEC doesn't have yet. But you know. Condoleezza Rice. How fun would watching Condoleezza Rice coach against Mike Leach or Lane Kiffin be? Be hysterical. So. Okay. So, so she she is, has formally announced that she will not be the head coach at LSU. She has formally announced that yes, not be the head coach at LSU. So you're saying there's a chance at Oklahoma? I believe she formally announced it, Will's to Will's joke and over he, but she says when she she's anna- not going to be a coach. When, period. when she announced that the Oklahoma job was not open. I don't think she's going to Oklahoma either. Right. She's gonna she's gonna be the new quarterback's coach of the Jets. Well you need some help, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say that just I meant the winning the week whatever it is champion Jets. <laughs> Just one week. That's all right. It's not like it's not like other quarterbacks in the in the ring here are doing any better. So Carson had a turnover free game against the Buccaneers, right? It's like the broadcasters will him to turn the ball over. It's like, almost I, as I, bad as when the Iron Bowl when Gary Danielson said Wow, Auburn really hasn't made any mistakes today. They've played the perfect game and literally the next pass that did through a pick. It's like the announcers are like, man, if we start talking about how good Carson Wentz is playing and how he doesn't have any turnovers, he'll definitely turn the ball over. But see, like that that type of that's a huge superstition, I think, around sports. It's like once the announcers start talking about how great you're doing, immediately you're gonna do something bad. But, like, the thing with Carson Wentz is how bad does he have to do for them to stop talking about how great he's doing? Well, but, and that's been, but that's just, that's Carson Wentz, man. He's been like that ever since he's been in the league. I don't get it. I like, don't either. I don't I, understand I, I, how someone is born that far on third base in the minds of sports media. See, that that's, that's my, as, again, made no secret throughout the course of the Carson Wentz saga and moving from Philly to Indianapolis is he's not that great. He's never been that great. It's just that the media wants to make him this this savior of football, and it's like he's he's not, and he's not going to be if this year is any evidence of that. Anyway, I'm fine. I'm fine, I promise. You seem fine. Good. You don't seem upset at all. I'm fine. I'm fine. Your heart rate looks like it's just continually going down the more you talk about Carson Wentz. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you about it. It's, it's not bad, according to my watch. It's all right. We're, 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 doing, we're, we're doing good. Could, okay. It could be, could be worse. Although it won't, now it's not telling me what it is, so that, that could be a... Oh, it's, it's not good. It's not good at all. It's, it's not good. Okay. It's, it's 91. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean... At least Tom Brady still plays well in Indianapolis, right? What's the heart rate now, Shane? What does the Fitbit say? It's not a Fitbit, but okay. What does the Apple Watch say? We've dropped, so that's good. I did a little You dropped breathing. We dropped Risk we're at heart attack. Oh man. Okay. Could be worse. I was worried I was going to send you through the roof on on air and get tried for manslaughter. 
Crazier things in this world have happened. Alright. Are we... Are we good? We have plenty of... We have plenty of content. As much as I want to hear your updated content. rankings, I, I think we're... Definitely... Alright, to uh, close this out, just like to remind you that the Coach K Revenge Farewell Tour is going quite well as Duke knocked off number one Gonzaga this weekend. So uh, I'm not mistaken, they look. are number one now in the polls today. Yeah, also, if you are an Alabama fan, Alabama plays number one in football and basketball this coming Saturday. So... Uh, your basketball team can suck it. Um. <laughs> wow. Well, you're just a loving group of people. So, uh, great. Look, apologies to everyone else, but hate it for Mississippi State, but great sports weekend for me. Uh, this has been Midweek Starters, and Jets win.